You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Baseball is back, and the Reds are poised for one of the best seasons in franchise history. Welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr. We don't want to just win, we want to dominate. And here we go. All righty, we are a go. Today on the podcast, I've got with me the man who reports all things sports on WLWT. He is Brandon Saho, and this is officially a very awesome interview because it is my first ever interview with someone on a boat. Brandon, how you doing, man? I'm good. Uh, I'm on a boat. I'm looking at Great American Ballpark. Uh, they're going to be practicing later today, so... You know, it feels like summer. We're we're a week away from baseball, man. So I'm feeling good. Yeah, that's a that's a mic drop. I don't even know if we need to do the rest. Of the, you're <laughs> on the river. You're looking at the. Oh man, I am jealous. I I cannot lie, Brandon. It's so good to have you on. I mean, we've we got a lot uh, to talk about baseball wise, but and, and actually, real quick too, before we jump into everything, I want to know record prediction. I might be a little high on this, but I'm saying 38 and 22. What are you thinking? I that's that's really optimistic. I'm gonna go 35 wins. I, I think. Well, what's the Vegas line? 32 and a half or 31 and a half? I got I, it I at think, 31 and a half. So yeah, it's not. Yeah. Too bad. Yeah, I think 35. I mean, that would be that means you're you're probably winning the division and in the postseason and, and playing some meaningful baseball for the first time in eight years, seven years. I want to definitely flesh out your thoughts on that here in just a minute. But firstly, I I, I wanted to ask amid this pandemic and all this good stuff the quarantines the shutdowns all this other stuff what has it been like to cover sports on the television side of things uh well there hasn't been a lot of sports to cover so for those first two and a half three months i was doing a sports story here and there but i was doing everything from 100 year old birthday parties to (laughs) uh the aquarium opening and that's all fun new stuff but i'm more of a sports guy so i was missing my sports i remember when they first opened up uh, youth baseball again like three weeks ago or maybe even a month ago now I was out on that Tuesday night covering youth baseball out on the west side just because it was it was sports happening so uh, the NFL draft that was really the big thing that kind of got a lot of local sports reporters through is because because it ended up being a great virtual draft so that was the one thing and then you know obviously baseball announcing them coming back and you know thank god they're they're practicing and doing summer camp at GABP now in Prasco it's, it's been a blast to have that back Absolutely. And, and when it comes to being a sports reporter and stuff on television, what what's your day-to-day like? I mean, I know you just told me you got off the links with Tommy Thrall. Are you doing that like every day? Because that's pretty cool. No, I wish. I wish. <laughs> uh, Tommy and I was our first time actually golfing together. I won't tell our scores on the, uh, on the podcast because they weren't <laughs> great. But uh, no, I wish this was my every day. I, I have a weird schedule. When you work in TV, you work weekends. So I'm off most Wednesdays and Thursdays, so today is my Saturday. Uh, but the way the day goes is, you know, uh, usually we're working at night because the newscast is at 6 and 11, so you got to be there for that. So a lot of nights. Uh, but right now we're straight with the Reds practicing at GABP because we'll do interviews around 1.30 on Zoom, and you talk to David, maybe a couple of players, and then you go down to the ballpark around 5. They scrimmage at 5.30, 5.45, 
And then you're done by about eight. You come back to the station and, you know, if there's a big story going on, I'll go ahead and, and do a story uh, for my, um, for my, with myself on at 11 o'clock. If not, George and I are doing it together for 11 o'clock and I'm helping him kind of pick out what happened. And we're basically doing a play by play of what happened at practice each day. So that's what's normal now. Uh, you know, normally we'd be get we'd be fully into baseball season. Uh, we'd be getting ready for NFL training camp, which they say is still going to happen the 28th. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it, it's different, but it's like everyone else right now, about four or five months into this thing, we're getting some sense of normalcy. You know, it's weird going to the ballpark because you go up and in, instead of going down, kind of in the visitor's player's entrance down in dock three down by the street, you go in by the machine room up top and you're sitting in, in the new press box, but you have to wear a mask, temperature check, you go through a four-page survey to make sure you're feeling good that day. It's a whole new ball game. We can't go on the field. We can't go uh, any closer than, than than the press box or the very edge of the lower bowl. So it's a whole different ball game, man. What's the press box feeling like right now? Because I know that they said that, you know, obviously everybody's a lot more spread out. Uh, I think it was Bobby Nightingale the other day said on the radio that uh, normally there's probably about 30, 35 people in there, and now there's like not even half that. What, what, what's the feeling like up there in the press box? Right, yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, you know, I'm shooting video down low, uh, too, as well as sitting in the press box and kind of working on some stuff on my laptop. But inside the press box, I want to say there's maybe at most 8 to 10 people compared to, like, what Bobby was talking about. During a normal game, you have, you know, 25 to 40 people in there. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's a lot different, and I think everyone's just kind of getting used to it. But everyone's just, like I said, happy to be back at the ballpark and have that normalcy of baseball again. I know that um, kind of the start of your journey toward where you are right now has a little bit of similarity with me, but what's your journey been like getting to be the sports reporter at WLWT? Uh, it's been it's been fun. It's been fast. There's been some, some ups and downs, but it started out just, you know, as a kid from – from the west side, grew up in White Oak, went to LaSalle, went to UC, and knew this is what I always wanted to do. And to have a chance to do it in my hometown now is absolutely amazing. I've been here for just over two years now, which is crazy. Time just flew by. But I, I started out, like like you said, I, you're working at, at WLW now. I was doing overnight radio for the uh, with uh, Steve Summers for America's Trucking Network, working that 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. shift. And then oh, yeah. that was my senior year of college, and I was – going to class during the day that I take a nap and then get up at, you know, nine to go to work again. It was, you got to grind it out in this business, man. It's, uh, it's fun. Once you kind of get to a spot where you can look back and think about, you know, some of the, you know, kind of weirder shifts you did and tougher, tougher jobs. And I had that. I worked at Fox 19 in town for a little bit, uh, for about six, eight months, my senior year of college as well. And then, I was in Columbus, Georgia doing news, which wasn't my thing. It's a small town doing news. Finally got my, my really, you know, good break was, was working in Baton Rouge, covering LSU every day and covering the Saints. It's just that, that was a great two years, and that kind of got me prepared for what I'm doing now. I'm still learning every day, and, you know, I'm not a, a finished product by any means, but it, it's cool to look back and see where you've come in the past five or six years because, you know, Baton Rouge it was great and covering LSU was awesome, but, being in your hometown, being in Cincinnati, and being in a market like this is just a, a whole nother ballpark and a whole nother blessing. So it's been awesome. 
I'm with you. I, I I once visited New Orleans, so I can't really say that I'm a expert on Cajun food, but at being the <laughs> lover of Cajun food that I am, that sounds like not too bad a landing spot before you get back to home. No, it's uh, you know I love my skyline, skyline chili number one for me. But but right behind that, and we'll throw in Chipotle too. But right behind that <laughs> is, is, is Cajun food. I mean, there's so much good stuff down there. My favorite is char grilled oysters. It's, I don't do the raw a lot. The char-grilled oysters are just with some garlic bread, and I mean, it is just so good. And of course, crawfish season right now is, you know, it's weird. I, I was so thrown off by the crawfish at first, and then yeah. once I figured it out, and it's more of an experience too. You know, you have a crawfish boil, everyone's having a couple, few drinks, maybe too many, and just enjoying the food. So yeah, I'm with you there. The Cajun food, that uh, that cuisine is money, man. That that threw me off. And a quick story: I went down there. It was a spring break one year in college because I went to a college in Huntsville, and we went down to New Orleans. And my buddy, his uh, aunt and uncle, lived down there, so we went to a Pelicans game. And of course, Anthony Davis like tweaked his knee like the night before, so we didn't get to watch him play. Yep. But um, afterward, we go to his aunt and uncle's for a crawfish boil, and I'm like, okay, sweet. And he's got this huge pot out in the backyard, and then all of a sudden he just dumps it. There's like, you know, newspaper laid on a ta- on a picnic table. He just dumps it on the table, I'm like, all right, let's eat. I'm like, whoa, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, you got to learn how to peel them, and then you know, there's a some people suck the head for juice. I don't do that. But, I was gonna ask I mean, you it's, if you did that. <laughs> it's a whole it's a whole new thing. It's crazy, man. It's foreign, but it's awesome. I'm all for it. I'm all about that stuff. Well, and, and I want to jump into some red stuff, but uh, before we start talking about too much Cajun food, because I'm I'm hungry right now. Uh, <laughs> when we look at this shortened season, what is your your first takeaway from a sixty game season as opposed to one hundred and sixty two games? I think it it sounds cliche, but it's, every game counts that much more. Trevor Bauer yeah. keeps saying it's you know two point seven games. It's almost three games for every one. So it feels like it's postseason baseball already because it does count that much more. And like I said, I know it's cliche to say, but, I mean, this first part of the schedule for the Reds shakes out pretty well for them. And to be able to start at home and have seven at home, including four against the Cubs, that is going to be a lot of fun for that first week of baseball. And I think the 60-game schedule fits this team. They added so much production in the lineup, Moustakis, Castellanos, and you add Wade Miley to go along with Bauer, Castillo, Gray, Disco. It is just, this team is loaded. And in Cincinnati fashion, there has to be something. Now, I'm going to say it. You know, health is number one for me. But because it's Cincinnati sports, there has to be something that gets in the way of when all the stars align for Cincinnati to have a great baseball season. But they still can. It's just going to be 60 games. I, I'm I'm in on this. Like I don't know if I want sixty games moving forward for the rest of eternity, but give me one season. And I know there's like so many people that are just like, Oh, it's not gonna be legitimate. You're not gonna have a real winner, you're not gonna have a real MVP. Man, y'all can just get out of here with that take because I'm so <laughs> in on this. Um and Trevor Bauer, man, the computer who wore tennis shoes. I just love this uh love having this dude on the team. When you look at the pitching staff, including Bauer and we're looking back at 2020, hopefully a great season. Who's going to be the best pitcher on this staff? Man, that is a that is a tough question. I want to say 
it's the Cy Young candidate, Luis Castillo, but he's not the opening day starter, Sonny right. Gray. Now, I, th- I think Luis Castillo is still the best pitcher on this staff, but Sonny Gray, I mean, you, sh- you saw so many flashes of, of good from him last year. I remember uh, I went on my off night, the uh, Milwaukee Brewers game, where he went eight and shut him out, and it, that place is just electric. He pitches like Pat majority of the time, and Trevor gets back on track. I mean, this is a really, really good staff. And, of course, Miley adds something different. It's just going to be fun to watch. I think Castillo, that changeup is the best changeup yeah. in baseball. Oh, yeah. It is insane to watch. I can watch. There, I found a video, like an eight-minute video on Twitter last week of just Luis Castillo's 2019 changeup, and I was fine. I grabbed the popcorn, popped the beer, and just watched that. That's amazing to me. <laughs> it's like a movie. It really is. I mean, it, it, it's it got all the uh, intrigue and entertainment of a Tom Cruise movie because it's got that twist at the end that you don't see coming. And most hitters don't right. see it coming either because they swing and they miss a lot. Uh, when I look at this pitch, I'm so happy that we've got the pitching staff that we've got because, I mean, the other day I think MOB.com came out with their rankings. They rated the Reds rotation as the third best in the entire major leagues. And I love that. I mean, right, the, right there with the Nationals. And I think, obviously, it's the strength of the team. But when you've got your third starter is Trevor Bauer, your fourth starter is a conversation between Anthony DiScalfani, who absolutely had a crazy hot end to 2019. And you got Wade Miley, who, if you take out the month of September in 2019, he's right up there with Hyunjin Ryu, and his ERA is, like, super low. His September just went a little haywire there. So I think, I, I mean, I love this pitching staff, and I think it matches up. It's the best in the Central, obviously, but it matches up well with just about anybody when you look at this central only schedule that they get to play, what is the challenge? Because I, I, I know that amongst all the other fan bases and stuff, they're jealous of teams in the central because they think they have an easy schedule. What do you think is the challenge about a central only schedule? Uh, I, I think the challenge is that you're going to have to play at St. Louis seven times. Yes. Uh, you, know, you know, you get Colum- or Columbus. I'm thinking of soccer from watching the FC Cincinnati game the other night. <laughs> you get Chicago here, the Cubs here seven times. You don't have to go to the Wrigley three times. The challenge is, is it's still the NL Central, still one of, if not the most competitive division in baseball, uh, at least on the NL side. It's, uh, there's, you know, the Pirates didn't do a lot. But besides the Pirates, I mean, this is pretty competitive. Everyone's got a shot to make the postseason. And, you know, anything could happen, but, I mean, with the Pirates payroll, I'd be surprised if they were over 500. But, I mean, everyone else is – the Cardinals are the Cardinals. The Cubs are the Cubs. The Brewers still have weapons. It's, the, the good thing, though, about it, yeah, I know I, the question of the challenge, the good thing is the Reds did the most in the offseason out of the Central. So, I think yes. maybe the challenge for them is living up to the hype. When you add so many players, and there are these expectations here that we haven't had since 2012, 2013 – I think the challenge, the biggest one, might be living up to those expectations in a competitive division. Now, of course, when you line it up with the you know AL Central, you have some some good games when it comes to the white or when it comes to the Tigers, the Royals, uh, starting with the Tigers, obviously, and then you only have to go to Minnesota for those final three at the end of the year. I, I think, I really think the biggest challenge is living up to the hype, and and it's it's going to be different. There's going to be obstacles that they can't that. They've never 
thought about before. You know, it's a 60-game season. What if a guy doesn't get his test back and can't start? Bauer had to sit out of practice two days ago. So there are going to be unique challenges, but every team's going to be facing them. So I think for the Reds, the biggest challenge is just living up to the hype because our baseball knows and this city knows how good they should be on paper, but they got to prove it out on the diamond. I know that uh, the news just came out a little bit before I called you about Derek Dietrich, and the reason that he wasn't on the 60-man roster is because he had tested positive uh, earlier in Goodyear and things like that. So that's definitely the example right there. It's like, you know, even though Dietrich wasn't a guy that we were counting on to be an everyday guy, that could happen to an everyday guy, and that's why they've got this huge taxi squad and they're starting out with 30 players. Do you think – and I've I've wrestled with this a little bit uh, because as fans, it's very easy to overhype things. It's very easy to get, you know, reds colored goggles. Is it fair of us to have these expectations? I think it is. I mean, we've seen some really not fun baseball here <laughs> the last few years. It's been a mile and, you know, that I, right. And, and last year was fun. The reds, you know, they swept the Astros. They, 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 were dominated the Cubs throughout the season. They get the three games, four games under 500, and then couldn't get over the hump. But they've done what they need to do off the field. Now it's time to do it on the field. So I think it's fair for, for Reds fans to have this expectation because, I mean, Major League Baseball just said they have the third best rotation in the game. This lineup, especially with a DH, is going to be a challenge for every starter. So I, it's not a lineup that just has two guys that can put it out of the ballpark or, or two or three guys that can situationally hit. They have a deep, I mean, if you get Shogo on after him, Votto, uh, Eugenio Suarez, Castellanos, Moustakis, whoever your DH is, whether that, you know, might be a winker or Senzel is playing in center field. It's just, there are so many options for this team. It, it I think it is fair for this, this city and this region of red red country be excited about red baseball because they legit have arguably one of the best teams uh in the nl and obviously that pitching staff we already talked about is one of the best in baseball what do we know because he's only had one year at the helm but what do we know about david bell and what are we going to learn about him in a much shorter scenario than what he had in his first year i think what we know about david is he's a guy who cares about the game and cares about this team and is passionate. That's why he got thrown out, what, eight or nine times last year. Uh, he cares. And the funny thing is, is when he talks to us, he's so mild and, and calm, and then you see him get thrown out of a ball game or get into a fight <laughs> with the Pirates. And it's like, where is this guy during interviews? Like, we'd love to have him uh, for those, you know, money sound bites. But, yeah, I think, he cares a lot about the game. Obviously, his family's history with the Reds and being a guy that went to Moeller and, and is a Cincinnatian through and through, he knows how much baseball means to this city, and that's that's engraved in him. So I think he wants to win bad. He keeps saying it. Health is number one this year, but right behind, though, maybe a 1A is winning the championship. So he, he knows the expectations and what they did and what people are going to say about this team. So uh, he cares about winning. He cares about doing it the right way. And I think what we'll learn this year is because of the 60-game schedule, you're going to see him possibly be more aggressive because he has to. And that's what a lot of managers are going to do. You know, if a guy's having a bad outing, say, you know, 
Disco's having a bad, at it, bad, bad outing, <laughs> and it's, you know, he's giving up four or five through four, mm. he's going to yank it because they got to, you know, every game counts, like Trevor said, 2.7 times what it normally would. So I think you're going to see him be more aggressive. I think, um, I, I think that it'll be interesting to see how he does the DH game because Castellanos already said he didn't come to the, to the NL, to another NL team to be a DH. He wants to play the field and get better on defense every day. Right. So they have so many weapons at DH, too. It would be interesting to see what he does. I think he's going to be aggressive because you have to be. But I think that's his personality, too. He's smart, though. He pays attention to the data. He's a newer, newer type of coach um, or manager. He, he just, I think he really cares about the game, and you're going to see that uh, on the field. And if they win, I think he's going to be a, a great guy to talk to for, for our job. Brandon, I thank you so much for your time, man. You're on a boat. I don't want to take too much more time from you. I just got one last thought, one last question to flesh out with All you. Right. The Reds have been really kind of gung-ho about this season. I know there's been some other teams, other players that have expressed concerns about playing. Maybe they're on the fence about opting out, things like that. Have you gotten that sense from any of the Reds players that maybe there might be somebody opt out, or do you think everybody is all in ready to go for 2020? I think everyone's all in ready to go for 2020. This team has taken COVID-19 and the precaution at the ballpark very seriously. I described what we have to do when just reporters and media come in. I mean, these guys are getting, you know, taking their temperature multiple times a day. Everyone's wearing masks inside. They're doing their social distancing and I think these guys feel safe there. You know, there are certain instances across the league where a guy is opting out because of, you know, health concerns or personal reasons. But I don't think there are any of those guys uh, on the Reds. So uh, all these, the, the Vados and the Stockases, Castellanos, the Suarez, Bauer, Gray, Castillo, all those big names they have are all in, which is going to make it a fun, fun 60-game schedule. And I'm looking so forward to it. He is Brandon Saho. I thank you so much for coming on, Brandon. You can catch all of the coverage on WLWT from Brandon, and we encourage you to check that out. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your day on the boat, man. <laughs> hey, thanks. Appreciate you having me on. Really appreciated getting to talk to Brandon. I mean, if I'm on a boat, I'm probably not going to go on somebody's podcast, but that's just me. That That is how awesome Brandon was. But we thank you, uh, thank him for coming on the podcast. And that's going to do it for us here today on the latest episode of the Locked On Reds podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed on whatever podcast platform you're currently listening on. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and follow the show at Locked On Reds on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also, save that Locked On Reds line number into your phone here in the next couple of episodes, tomorrow and Friday's episode. Going to dive into some of those locked on red line stuff. I've let that back up for a little bit. So we're going to dive into that and take care of some of the questions and respond to some of the comments. If you've been looking to ask a question or, you know, give your take on something, make sure you get it at 513-549-0159. Also hit me up on Twitter at the handles that I've already said. All right, that's going to do it for us here today. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this episode. Now, tell your smart device to play Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Thank you guys so much, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Let's go, Rex.